Hey guys, as you probably know, Instride is brought to you by Ride IQ. And instead of telling you about Ride IQ, I'm going to read an excerpt from a recent review in the App Store. The headline is Solo Game Changer. It's five stars. It says, not only do each of my rides have more consistency, but the noticeable improvement in both myself and my horses is incredible. I'm in constant awe at the people in this community and the unending support that is given to members from coaches. Yes, you read that correctly. The coaches are very much involved in the day-to-day of the private community that comes along with the app. Whether answering questions, giving feedback, or celebrating wins, there's always someone jumping in when the need arrives. This review continues on, but I know you want to get to today's episode. So if you haven't tried Ride IQ yet, there's a two week totally risk free free trial. We would love to have you give it a go and you get access to everything that Ride IQ offers. Just head to ride-iq.com to sign up and enjoy the episode. On today's episode of In Stride, Sinead is joined by her husband, Tick Maynard. Tick is a sought after natural horsemanship and eventing trainer. He's a five-star event rider and the author of In the Middle Are the Horsemen. Tick is an A Pony Club graduate, Canadian Pony Club Hall of Famer, and he represented Canada in the modern pentathlon in the 2007 Pan Am Games. From there, Tick went on to work with many of the greats in equestrian sports, including Ingrid Klimke, the O'Connors, Ann Krasinski, and Ian Miller. Tick and Sinead discuss the challenge of feeling present and fulfilled while working toward a goal. They talk about identifying the things that offer short-term versus long-term happiness and ways to create a better headspace. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. It's Tick and Sinead. Hi, everybody. I'm happy to be here. We wanted to do something a little bit different just to kind of mix it up a little. We were chatting in the last few days about, I mean, honestly, we have a lot of conversations around the table and at our house that are kind of interesting and what's kind of going on in real time with what we're seeing out of the events, what we're seeing in the barn. And we kind of thought it'd be fun to start bringing that to in stride a little bit and have some maybe shorter conversations and just kind of get, yeah, some some thoughts going around and bring everybody in on it. So here we are. Here we, here we are. <laughs> here we are. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what direction this is going to take. We're talking about this over breakfast this morning at the gathering place in downtown Ocala after our workout with uh, Coach. And uh, it's because it's Monday. It's the day that we don't ride. And, and uh, we're riding every other day. So it's our recording and work around the farm day. And uh, I'm excited, just excited as you guys are, to see what Sinead's got in store for us. <laughs> yeah. One of the things was Tick said, I need to know what we're talking about. And I said, uh, Tick, this is going to be good for you because you are, you you swing a like, big pendulum between professor and clown. So we have to be something in between. But I, I guess what has been kind of coming up for me lately is kind of this feeling that, and and I'm sure it's similar in most lives in general, not just people involved in sport or high performance sport or anything, but just feeling like you're always moving towards something. You're always in a hurry. There's kind of a lack of presence. There's always a tomorrow. This is going to be better. This is going to be when I get this sorted out, everybody will be happy and everything will be good. And I I think without even knowing it, I kind of got onto this. I don't know if it's like a, a train of thought a couple of years ago, 
probably actually more than that, probably when I was first pregnant with Brooks and kind of feeling like totally, totally lost. Like I was going to miss out on all this time and I wasn't going to reach my goals and blah, blah, blah. And paper, I'd already kind of achieved a lot of things. And this was just another thing on the list, kids, family barn, all that sort of thing. But I think without knowing it, I was really on a, a track to try and find how to enjoy and be present in my day-to-day life, as well as have my goals and my aspirations. And it feels sometimes that those two things are conflicting. Like if I'm happy today, I'm not motivated enough and I'm enjoying my day-to-day. I'm not motivated enough or goal-driven enough or wanted enough to get to what goals I have set elsewhere. And you know, you hear it all the time, like, oh, you shouldn't set goals. Or some people are like, how do you live unless you have goals? And so it's always feel like these this back and forth. And I have had a, a really interesting time over the past few years kind of exploring those different things through everything from like some of the work that we've done personally and then with horses around the nervous system, how I've, you know, exploring meditation, like every self-help book that's out there, <laughs> like thinking about psychology and human and horses, enjoying the journey, all that stuff. I've had a really interesting time and I've really enjoyed it. And What's caught me maybe in the last little while is how if I am getting like really like stressed out or if things are really I'm just that life just starts happening really, really fast, like things start going quickly, good and bad. Right. Like I don't I'll get to the it's like Groundhog Day. Right. We have this conversation all the time. You go to sleep, you wake up, you run like crazy, go to sleep, you wake up, you run like crazy. Are we enjoying the moment? Are we because I think that is actually what I said. I'm like, this it's it's now. Like life is right now. And it feels like the the only, you know, when there's way too much to do and you can't get enough done and you can't get focused, it's like the I don't know if it's paradox or irony or what the right word is. You can tell me that. But like the only way to get more time when there's not enough time is to actually like slow down. Oh, you know, is to get focused and kind of figure out maybe reprioritize. But I just see it, I see it in in a lot of our peers and friends. I see it in our own lives at times. I see it out and around. And I worry not when I see maybe some young, like young people really fighting for it and going and kind of hustling. Not not that, but actually what scares me more is a few times when I've seen people that in my mind have, they're like living the life, like they're like doing it, you know, which is like probably a lot of people think that about us. I think that is all over the place that, you know, they've got horses at the five-star level, they're winning championships, they're flying all over the world. And I see this still this unrest. And that's actually what kind of shocked me into like, hey, I need to make sure that we're we're finding some time and some fulfillment and some enjoyment in our our days. That's what I want to talk about today. (laughs) Your turn, go. Yeah. One of the things I I guess I'm going to try to respond to that. Yeah, you might have to talk a little louder. Like, and yeah, I'll speak a little closer to the mic. And I was reading a book recently, and and it was a book that was pretty intense. And within the book, the writer would almost make up their own definitions for words, how they wanted to define them, which I think is a, a great thing to do. It means that whenever there's a, a you're you're making a case for something, or you're having an argument, that the the words are very clearly defined. And then horse training. I often try to, if I'm teaching at clinic, say how I'm going to use a word. So the words respect, the words trust, the words like, you know, does my horse like this? Does my horse respect me? You know, does my horse trust me? Do I trust my horse? 
they could have different meanings to different people. And then when you start talking about a whole nother species, you're talking about something else entirely and sort of have a well-defined definition for what those words mean is important. And in this book I was reading, she had the, the author had a definition for love. And she said that the infatuation kind of love or the kind of love we see in romantic comedies or in Hallmark cards does us a disservice as humanity. And the way she defines love is as being present, mm -hmm. which is to, the way she thinks about it, defines it, I, I think is very different than, than just being there. Now, it's not a matter of spending time with somebody. You could spend a week with somebody and not really be present with them. And not trying to influence, like if somebody is sad, it's being present with them through the sadness. If somebody's angry, it's being present with them through the anger. If somebody's in pain, if somebody's happy, if somebody's joyful, but it's really being present in whatever form that means for you and that person in that relationship. And I think being present is a challenge for a lot of people, including myself, and even more so in this day and age where we're inundated with stuff that is designed to interrupt our presence and take us somewhere else for a sec. And if I were to think about the two, the two kinds of um, motivations that we have when we're going towards something, you know, I think in general, we can go away from something like pain or towards something like that we want. And when we go towards something that we want, and I think it's, I mean, I've usually come on this from the track of the horses, like what, where, where did this come with horses first? And then I sort of apply it to people. I think there's two, two things that we can go towards. One is something that provides a short-term burst of happiness, like um, a material item, a gift, fast food, social media, a like on social media. Or we can go towards something that provides a more fulfilling sense, a more long-term sense, a more present sense. You know, things like reading a book, things like, you know, having a glass of wine and having an evening with your wife, things like for me going for a run and i find this this second group of things at the end of it we don't crave that thing again right away like it leaves us full for a while whereas the first group it almost seems i've never you only want to have like one glass of wine with me once like and no, then you're I, like had enough what i mean what i mean <laughs> is like this the second group leaves us leaves <laughs> us wanting more in like a way that like you need to have it that you're unhappy without it like it doesn't leave <clears> you full like like I feel happier because it's like you want oh, yeah. that thing again right away. Like a, yeah. like imagine like a like an addict or like a drug. And not only that with the second group, but you feel like you need more and more of it to fill you up. Yeah. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well. And I, I think anyways, what I, what I was working towards all this before before I before I get your thoughts is in the horse world. I think where this most applies, where or I think it most applies to me is that the the long term fulfilling kind of thing I work towards is when you feel like you're learning something new or you're doing a good job or you're doing the best of your ability or you're developing that partnership with your horse. And where I think we get that short-term kind of hit is through winning. Mm -hmm. Right? You go to a horse show and you win and you want to go to another horse show and you want to win again. Mm -hmm. Right? Like that feeling of like, you know, being the best is like a great feeling, but it's like a short-term hit. So the question is like, what is the motivation? And if you think like it's going to solve all your problems to win, like if that's what you're working towards, it's gonna, it's like getting a gift. Like it's gonna help you for a little bit. It's gonna get like a, something in from Amazon, but then it's like, okay, I gotta get this again and again. And never, it's never gonna leave you full inside. I was listening to this new podcast. I really, I really, really like it. It's called um, Get Uncomfortable. And they were talking about motivation versus discipline and habits. Mm -hmm. And these guys are, they own their own gym and, you know, that's that's kind of their medium is athletics. And um, 
what was interesting is that they said like motivation is a short term hit. It's like, yeah, watch the motivational video, like listen to some music, do whatever. It's a short term thing. But the long term results, the long term things are discipline and habits and lifestyle change. So they're like super don't believe in the fads and this and that, whatever. Those things can be like motivating. Like the I remember a, a couple of friends and you know, we always would would sit around sometimes and have a glass of wine or two or whatever and watch like the Nike motivational videos and you'd like tear up, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you're on your like second or third glass of wine. And uh, and it kind of got you going for a second, but it certainly wasn't a lifestyle change. It certainly it wasn't the thing that provided the long term fulfillment, which I think is is what you're talking about. Exactly. A little bit. And it's like it's funny because I also in this was thinking kind of about you know, marginal gains. It's not like this. It's when people say, and I've done this, I mean, I'm not excluding myself from people. It is like, oh, I just want to be happy. You know, like, what does mm-hmm. that even mean? You know, like, yeah. and and happiness often and that fulfillment and everything comes, I, I find it comes after a struggle. It always comes after something hard. After, and it might not be a struggle, like suffering struggle, but like, a struggle like you worked really hard that the 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 height of the elation or the happiness probably comes from the depth of the low that came behind it or the work that came and any of that type of thing like I worked so hard for six months or six years to achieve this one thing and then I got there and then that like that high lasts for a long time Mm -hmm. other than a shorter time a shorter term hit but like one of the things that I you're thinking about kind of marginal gains in this kind of 1%, if you can kind of keep finding 1% ways to change your habits, like change your lifestyle around a little bit. And I think in moments where you can really explore that, like it's it's something that you have to work on. It's not something that just happens, like happiness and fulfillment and all that stuff just doesn't like happen. For me, it's taken, first of all, identifying, I think you hit on it a second ago, identifying the things that actually make me feel worse, like in the moment they, I really crave like even something from like unhealthy food, <laughs> so ice cream or French fries or something that in the moment it just is so awesome. And then it just makes me feel horrible for a normally almost double the amount of time the happiness was. Mm. I mean, McDonald's fries, so good. It takes about two minutes after I've had that last fry mm. to feel like crap for like two hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that is really not worth it but so identifying all of these things the other thing for me that's been really really interesting is gossip mm-hmm. oh and that's a tr- it's a hard one and it's especially a hard one in our barn I, we just started i mean i i've said it to everyone that's come in to our barn now or any of our staff is that we have a zero gossip and who exactly oh. are we talking about i can't tell you that's- <laughs> I can't talk about that person. <laughs> I'm not allowed, okay? Uh, <laughs> but with gossip, I think the whole point of it is to define it is that it's it's negative, like it's a negative. It's talking about somebody in in a way that's meant to do harm. That's not kind or productive or it's you can say something that is. We can talk about an issue or someone or something that there is a problem that's arising. But it needs to be in a constructive, this is what's happening. This is what I'm seeing. How can we figure out a way to fix this or move forward? Or, you know, a lot of times it, when you're dealing in a barn or staff or with clients or something like that, sometimes it's it's making that decision. Does this work here? Or does it not? And if it doesn't, how do we how do we move past that? But not just kind of this gossip fest, because, again, in the moment, 
and that it's such a slippery slope because I find one person gets going and, I, and it can be me or, and it just turns into this ripple effect that nobody feels good after. And it's kind of like this guilty pleasure where and it's I know I've read about it and, and thought about it before, but it kind of comes down to that some of our even survival instincts that if I can if I can make myself feel better, stronger, more important, it's it's better for me and my ability to survive if you're worse. If this person is lower and I'm better, the more I can get on the hierarchy of things. And so gossip is just the most basic level of that. You know, it's it's where it feels easy. And 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 again, I'm no saint in this. It's really, really takes work and it takes a commitment to not have that. And I sought myself often when I get and and normally it comes up when I'm tired. If my, my tank is feeling a little empty, if there's a lot of things that are coming up hard and fast and time is going by too quickly and one person or one thing comes in and it just makes my day that much trickier, like I can delve down kind of that below the line mm -hmm. type of person. And so it's almost having these commitments before I'm in that position really helps keep me above that. But that's a that's a kind of a big thing. But then also finding things that just help me feel better, like music really helps me feel better. Yeah. Sometimes I forget to turn it on. But if when I come in and I the day is wrapping up, like just turning on some music kind of calms me down and gets me out of my own head, figuring out these little things that I don't maybe, know. Do you have maybe, stuff like that? Maybe you can share with our listeners some of your music. I blue, blue sky. <laughs> George green, Ezra. Green <laughs> Not Tick Maynard. Thing. Ticks, ticks, uh, music would be Jimmy Buffett <laughs> and anything very old that, you know, it, we would have different musical tastes. Well, I like this new uh, George Ezra. George Ezra. Yeah. yeah. Our kids, <clears throat> our kids are dancing to that every yeah. day. Yeah. So if you haven't checked out Blue Sky Green Dress. Yeah. You better throw a party on the day that I die. It, it, it took a little bit when Brooks is like, He's five and he's singing, you better throw a party on the day that I die. And I thought maybe I should pick a different song, but it's it's actually very uplifting, fun music. So that's I mean, do you have stuff that like is basic that resets you? Probably the biggest one is is being able to go for a run. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things I like about that. I like getting out on my own. It Ideally, it wouldn't be on the roads. It'd be in the trails. You know, uh, yeah. one of our clients told me about the term forest bathing where you go out in the forest and it's like bathing in the in the forest and it's great for your soul and your emotional system and to do that while i run is great i try to never you know, unless i'm really struggling for motivation i don't usually listen to music or podcasts while i run i usually um i usually just think about my day and i know it's been a really great run when i get to the point in my run where i've sort of stopped thinking about my running i'm just on autopilot and I've also stopped thinking about thoughts. Like I've, I'm not right. going through a checklist in my mind, but I've, my mind is, is started to daydream. Mm -hmm. And I find when I was... Look, I wrote daydream when on I was, my chart. When I, like we're the same person. When, we, when our generation was growing up without all these cell phones and stuff like that. I mean, we had cell phones when we were growing up. I don't know. I think I had a beeper. <laughs> yeah. So they could call someone on their cell phone. Hi everyone, I wanted to take this opportunity to give you some inside information on what makes Tota Saddles different. This new Tota Freedom Jump Line, which we were lucky enough to help design, is contoured away from the shoulder and the shoulder muscle, not only to allow new freedom of movement, but it encourages a more uphill balance and an effortless comfort for the horse. 
The new balance puts the rider in harmony in a connected and powerful way. One more amazing perk of this saddle is that it has a metal tree, meaning you can fit it to any horse you have now and any horse that enters your barn in the future. At Copperline, we pride ourselves in a progressive horse first approach. And when we met Charlie and learned that his Tota Comfort system was founded on an understanding of the horse's biomechanics, maximizing performance, and the total comfort of the horse, we knew we had to work with this team. Please check out the Dressage Connection or follow the Tota Comfort system on Facebook or Instagram. Like many guests on this podcast, one of Tick and my main motivators is to reach our full potential in high-performance horse sports. Our belief and strategies are rooted in horse behavior and exploring what's possible in the human and horse relationship. This journey is not possible without our community. We are excited to announce a few seats at the main table, as well as an easy access point to Copperline Farm and horse ownership. Check out the ACE Syndicate and the Journey Syndicate at CopperlineEquestrian.com. Find out about the horses these syndicates own, the difference between A and B shares, and how you can experience horse sport as part of our team here at Copperline. And if you'd like to listen to In Stride ad-free, please head on over and sign up to be a member at Ride IQ. And now back to the podcast. But, you know, I, you know, I'd be walking or biking or d- driving or laying around and you'd start to daydream. And now I just find for some reason, like there's a lot less times in my day or week where my mind just wanders. You know, okay. I'm always like thinking, but I'm thinking about something in particular or something I got to do or the book I'm working on or, or this or that. My mind doesn't just kind of wander off like you're looking at the clouds. And I think that's a pretty nice state of mind to get into on a run. Like I come back very refreshed if I, if I have gotten to that point. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I was thinking about meditation and I really struggle. I know some people are like so good. I've got to stop saying life is driving me insane. Some people are very good at staying on a regular meditation practice. And I know when I've been able to do it or stuck with it, I've definitely felt better. And, but recently in the last little while, instead of feeling the pressure of meditation i have changed it into daydreaming more Mm. i'll set my clock for 10 minutes or 15 minutes because i remember being being probably a teenager and in my early 20s and when you're in doing the all the mucking 100 stalls and hacking all the horses and doing all the grunt work just getting lost in my head picturing winning kentucky of what that would feel like all of these things and just getting lost in these daydreams. And I don't, you know, it's funny because now when I sit, when I go to lay down to have a 10 minute, instead of meditation, a daydream where I want to picture this, this awesome thing happening, I find it really hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so easy to picture and visualize all the things going wrong and what could happen, but to really uh, picture kind of, and let, and, and in that moment, a lot of times my mind will start to wander or, I'll just not want to think about anything, which is all great too. You know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of an interesting thing, but to add in, it almost feels guilty to kind of lay down for 10 or 15 minutes and just Mm -hmm. picture abundance is a big thing for me too, is as finances are always a, are are always a stress. And so I just sit down and picture checks, just rolling in just money (laughs) and, uh, and not even having to worry about where it comes from. That's the best part of the daydream. I don't have to worry about working for it. I don't have to worry about any of that. I just think all these money and forces and abundance, really great. Best 15 minutes of my day, <laughs> other than spending time with you. 
obviously. With a glass of wine. With a glass of wine, but only one glass of wine because too much is abundance. (laughs) Well, it was uh, Oscar Wilde that said, everything in moderation, including moderation. Even moderation. Yes. Yes. What else? Well, what else do we have on the list? I mean, I think that's been a pretty good podcast to me. That's... I just want to hit one or two more things before we, I know you're like ready to go. No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I don't everything else on my, I was making some notes here as we go. What are your notes? Uh, well, we've gone through them all already. Oh, you're making those notes. Yeah. I think, I guess the practice I would, well, I would actually talk to you about it too, because I don't think this is, you know, we're very, we, Tick and I are pretty different on what fills up our headspace. It normally kind of meets in the middle, but he spends a lot of time. Well, I don't know what you spend a lot of time thinking about. <laughs> what do you spend a lot of time thinking about? <laughs> what fills up your brain? Uh, well, I'd say... Yeah. What do you daydream about? Well, I guess usually I've got a list of projects that I'm thinking of. Hmm. And some of them are work-related projects, and some of them are farm-related projects, and some of them are family-related projects, you know, like a group trip we might do with the kids. You know, the biggest work thing right now that I'm thinking about is my uh, book. And there I try to, if thought comes to my mind now, I try to really take a minute and write it down because there's so many thoughts like that that can go into your mind, like they just enter, you know, mm-hmm. like you haven't even wanted it to come into your brain and it's just like appeared there as if by magic. And then it's so easy to let that fly away unless you make a note on it. And then, uh, you know, with the horses, I've really only got one horse going right now at, at the the level. And I'm, you know, often thinking about how to, uh, how to approach that. And flying changes is, is is the biggest thing that we're working on now as a team and with you and with the dressage instructor. But there's other um, more subtle things that kind of keep rolling over in my mind. And the biggest thing I think with that, that I want to, I've been thinking about probably for like two, two or three weeks now, I still haven't tried it, is, is I think Sam has this feeling of always associating people with doing something. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking, you know what I should do is I should take him out into the raft pen and I should time like 30 minutes or 40 minutes or an hour and like not try to do anything with them, but just like go spend some time in the raft pen with him. And I don't mean also just spending time because I think that goes back to my thing that I said earlier of, of love, uh, of being present, is I don't want to just sit in a chair and watch him and work on observation. I think like, like be around him the way that another horse might be around him like i'm aware if he does something i'm aware of when i move closer i'm aware of when he moves closer i'm aware of where he's walking maybe sometimes i walk with him and i have this interaction with him in a way that is interacting without asking him to do anything mm-hmm. at all so that's the kind of stuff i think about <laughs> that's good stuff yeah 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 and then i usually got like two or three books on the go maybe actually sometimes five or six or seven or eight books on the go I usually, if I start a book, then I, I, depending on how interesting, how readable it is, it kind of can take a backseat to other books, which are mm. more interesting or more readable. Like I find Malcolm Gladwell very readable. Like it can kind of carry through, carry me through the book. So if I start a book by him, it can, even though I started fifth on the list, I might keep that at the top until I'm done it and then uh, start another one. And sometimes it can take me, you know, a year to finish a book, but often I'll keep coming back to it and sometimes I'll forget where I was, but. Just because a book is, well, I think books can offer two things is they can offer knowledge and they can be well-written mm-hmm. and the two things don't always go hand in hand. I think it's pretty actually rare when a writer has both the knowledge and is a good writer. 
So I, I try to be aware that just because an author might not be a good writer, they might still have something to offer. And so I try to I try to keep coming back to those books. Yeah, it's I could never understand how you could read three or four or five books at one time, but in an effort to identify like so one of the things I've tried to identify as something that doesn't make me feel good is if I find myself comparing or judging and I I do I find horse shows really hard mm-hmm. at that because, especially because I have less to do normally I just have a couple of horses or and you can be there and a couple of students so I can be there all day and so as much as I like to watch and learn sometimes I find myself comparing and judging and thinking I need to be more or less or whatever and I've found reading really helps me with that. And so I tend now I try and have at least one book in my bag or one book in the car, two books or whatnot, depending on my mood, like a book like Tribe of Mentors. uh, It's really easy. You can pick it up at any point in the book and read it. You don't have to have a starter to finish. You can read it for two minutes or 10 minutes. Or um, right now I'm reading started another book called Tough, which is really, really good. But it's you have to really pay attention to it. And I have to underline things as I'm going. But that really helps me get out of that mindset of judgment and comparison. And it makes me feel better because I'm mm-hmm. reading and it's a hard thing to do. I mean, it's a hard thing to train yourself to do. But I get the comment a lot now from people if I'll say, oh, have you read this or you read that? And they go, oh, my God, I don't have time to read. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you do. And I read it somewhere that not having time, and I've tried to do this myself every time I say, oh my gosh, I don't have time for that. that. That's actually not even a true statement. It just means that whatever it is that someone's asking me to do, it's not high enough on my priority list. It's just yeah. a, a matter of priorities. And that's not it. That's not bad. It's just for me, uh, reading makes me feel better. And it's also, I find it helps me from not scrolling on social media and it helps me from not judging or comparing when I'm out and about. Helps me if I'm standing in line, not get super angry or if I'm waiting for something, not get super angry. And it's more just giving me something else to do <laughs> when I don't want to do something else. So it's, but I think that's like that for everybody. It's, there's things that are on people's priority list, but that's where I've spent the last really last little bit of time to just kind of circle back around is trying to identify the things that make me feel better. And most of the time, they're not the quick, easy fixes. It's not the candy. It's not the, honestly, most of the time, it's not even like the sleep in. Like I couldn't sleep. I mean, we have two young kids, but I don't, sleeping in never makes me feel better. Even if I had been up all night or something, whatever, like it never makes me feel better. It always makes me like I, the first initial waking up sucks, but If I get up and I have my coffee and I have some quiet time, that always makes me feel better, even if I'm exhausted. So it's figuring out little things that just, yeah, make me kind of feel more fulfilled. And I have found in that I am like I was at the horse show yesterday or Sunday or whatever. And I was there from I I really was there until I think seven in the morning, seven at night. And I got through a large part of a book. I there was a new podcast I was listening to that I really enjoyed. And every time I got out of the car to teach or to ride, I felt great as opposed to that feeling where when you're at a horse show all day and you get more tired, more hot, more over it, more. I went for a run. I didn't go for a run with you. You went the other way because I like to listen to music when I run and Tick likes to think. And if I think all I think when I'm running is how much this sucks. (laughs) So anyway, they're just little things that that I've been thinking about. And yeah, because it's now it's happening now. This life is now. 
Thomas. Yeah, I think that's interesting about the uh, about reading at the horse show. I think it makes me think of two things. One is the weekend that we first met. Uh, oh, yeah. And then the other <laughs> thing is I've been listening to your amazing, let me just do a little plug here for your. That's a little louder. For your for your for your mat for your uh, masterclass that you did the with mastermind. mastermind, it's a masterclass and a mastermind the with uh, John Holling, John Holling and Will Fodry and Tammy Smith and Natalie Hummel oh. as the mediator. Is that mm -hmm. the what you use? And Tammy Smith saw, said something interesting, which I'd never really thought of in that particular way. She said that uh, one of the reasons she likes being on the West Coast is that she can take a little break and Natalie said oh it gives you a little perspective and Tammy said that you know Kala she's like you don't get a break like you you're all you you go to the grocery store there's horse people you go to the restaurant there's horse people you go to the gym mm -hmm. there's horse people and so you're in that bubble you know you obviously get a break from the actual horses of the barn when you're in the grocery store but you're within that bubble non-stop all year round Twelve, you know you, you never really leave it unless you go on a little family vacation which we've done a couple times but I, I think running or whatever it is for you, if you can find some way to get out of it and give a little perspective, I think that's really valuable because horses are super important. And I think they give so much stuff to people, but I think there's also a perspective that you got to keep because you can have too little of something and you can have too much of something, no matter what it is. That is very true. Well, those are deep thoughts with Sinead and Tick. <laughs> but from this, I would just, I think the main point of these talks is to pull everybody in a little bit on their kind of like the podcasts and even the mastermind is that it's not a tutorial. It's just more every day what we're experiencing and what we're thinking about and what's going on. And uh, I my one of my wishes is to have more people to to collaborate and chat with about these things and for everybody to feel like, you know, we're working towards a a common goal of presence and of spending time with the people around us and enjoying our 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 days because I think I can only speak to the horse industry because it's the one that I'm really submerged in. <laughs> but I I it worry the future of it worries me on a few different points in that that there's not there the business model isn't great. And the I don't even know if it's mental health, but the happiness or the fulfillment or the the finding the, the space between you know the stimuli and the reaction, right? That space between that flow state, that zone, that presence, whatever you want to call it, is fleeting and not talked about that much. It's like if you don't hustle and if you're not 100 miles an hour, you're you're not wanting it enough. And I think that a lot of people are reaching kind of the end of their careers feeling like it's been wasted time or they're in, and I know this from my experience, from being at a real peak in my career. And hopefully there's there, right, hopefully there's more peaks to come. And and if not, I'm having a great time now anyway. But missing the moment because I was so obsessed with what was next, I barely saw what was happening. So that's all I got. That's all I got. Well, I think that was that was nice. I I, <laughs> I like being on your show. I mean, <laughs> if you want to have me back again or you want to have a glass of wine with me, then I'll be I'll be there. Yeah, maybe we maybe we do this in an evening talk and we do like bubbles and babble. <laughs> but we can do champagne. I can babble. Very true. Except I've been doing most of the babbling on this one. All right, everyone. Hopefully this just added something to your day. And if it didn't, it's Tick's fault. All right. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Have a good 
I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Before you go, I just want to let you know more about Ride IQ. At its core, Ride IQ gives everyone access to instruction from the best equestrian coaches in the world. It might sound impossible, but with Ride IQ, you get access to the private mobile app that has hundreds of on-demand, listen-while-you-ride audio lessons taught by top riders and coaches in eventing, hunter jumpers, and dressage. Here's how it works. You look through the app and choose a lesson based on your horse or a skill you're working on. There are lessons for green off-the-track thoroughbreds and nervous horses and horses that are behind the leg, as well as lessons that teach every stage of skills like shoulder in or trot lengthenings. Then you tack up and press play and you have a top coach like Doug Payne or Leslie Law or Gina Smith in your ear guiding you every step of the way. If you enjoyed today's episode, it is always appreciated if you can take a moment to share the podcast with your friends and family and leave a review on your podcast app. The best way to support the podcast is to become a Ride IQ member at ride-iq.com. And when you do, we hope you're excited to see that InStride is just one of multiple podcast shows on the app, including hack chats, conversations with coaches, and more. 